0: Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Carlita, and I am on the phone with Chris Alfaro from Free the Robots. What's going on today, Chris?
1: Uh, Still alive. Survived yesterday's craziness.
0: Yeah, yeah. you played the low-end theory last night. How did that go? Yeah,
1: it was amazing. It was just, you know, I had that moment where just being there and and remembering how everything began. and uh, You know, it's just crazy to see. L.A. come out, you know, full swing last night with the, everything, you know, a lot of family in the building.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's cool. You've worked with, you know, a lot of awesome people, so I'll touch on a couple of them. So how did you like working with Ike Owens?
1: Ike Owens, oh, wow, that was, a, that was the life-changing experience for me because, for one, he's been, yeah, I've been a huge fan of his work for, during many years, and he ended up being a really nice guy when I met him, which is really cool when your idols become, you know, your peers and eventually your friends, and uh, it was cool. He, he's just as free-flowing as me, and, and the reason why I know how to play keys a lot better now and approach music the way I do now, as opposed to then, is because of Ike. It's like those sessions that we had, um, you know, recording for the control league record, and we ended up just recording all sorts of sessions after that which is crazy because me and Aiki, before his passing um,
0: have at least, you know 14 songs recorded Wow.
1: You know, that we haven't finished yet you know, but, you know, someday when I feel like I'm ready, uh, I'll, I'll finish those songs and, you know, get that out there, but you know, some of the last recordings of Ike Owens are still in the
0: studio Wow, wow that's amazing so there's a, a unreleased uh, you know vaults that you have these songs in
1: yeah and you know it was just you know we just both of us were just kind of like let's do something we we're you know it, it was so fun and so easy
0: Right.
1: we were working and it was hilarious because you know i go to his long beach apartment and uh you know i, I had envisioned like we were going to go into the studio and we got we got there and we're like oh crap i didn't really bring anything he's like all oh, right this is all i have and he like brought out these little computer speakers you know, that in like, the, like 1990s computer speakers and this entire Mars Volta um, keyboard set in the middle of the living room. And right. you could literally hear like, the clicks of his fingers on the keys louder than what we were hearing the speakers were like, crunched up in the corner. Like, okay, yeah, that
0: sounds
1: good. <laughs> I mean, that, that, was, that was it. I was like, that's what I liked about it.
0: All right. To yeah.
1: To adapt in any situation, and that's what that recording process was. With Those recording processes were with IQs. Like taught me how to
0: just be like, you know,
1: just chill.
0: All right. That's good. Oh, yeah. well, that's awesome. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people who have worked with him. You know, he had a pulse on, obviously, what was going on in the L.A. scene. and I also heard, you know, his work, obviously, being in jack white's band that he helped you know put some la bands on you know opening for jack white so yeah that was awesome
1: right. you know we we just had such similar taste in music and you know he definitely had a deal to what was happening in la and was interested in you know what was going on in the low-end theory but you know yeah, yeah he would come by and like look at my record collections like damn, you're in it. like you know they're both in the old ska old you know, punk records you know from the 80s and and I don't know it's just it doesn't work you know it's rare to, to find people that that are into hip-hop and beats and you know old hardcore and ska and afro and stuff like that getting all the one you know but yeah I we got it we're on the level <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. so. so speaking of your vinyl collection if your house was on fire uh, w- what there. are f- what are five records that you would grab on the way out?
1: Wow, oh, that's that's way too tough of a question. I basically have a, a, a crate of records that are all my good like my top my top choice records that I listen to right next to where my turntables are. Like you know everything's just kind of separated in in expedited you know the IKEA things everywhere. But I have one crate. And that's the crate that I would take, basically. And it, most of that crate is old, you know, Sun Ra records and, and Alice Coltrane records and a lot of spiritual jazz and uh, weird stuff that I collected all over the world, you know, from old um, Filipino psych records to old, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of all over the place, but uh, I would just take that entire crate.
0: Okay. Well, well, that's dope. That's definitely dope. So how did you first connect with Flying Lotus? Um, that
1: was just online, really. I mean, that was, you know, I think it was 2005 or 2004-ish, maybe. I don't know, just like right around the mid-2000s. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like for myself, I was kind of bored with a lot of things that were going on musically, and, and I feel like a lot of people scattered around Los Angeles had the same sentiment. And, uh, you know, when MySpace happened, every everyone started communicating on MySpace, you know, you could put these up and you could put up your own productions. And, you know, you start discovering people and you hit them up and, and uh, you know, we, we actually originally met on MySpace.
0: Mm. So this
1: was like was like, way before, low-end theory and everything. Yeah. same, And I met no such thing on MySpace. <laughs> It was just how mm-hmm. we would send each other stuff. You know what I mean? Just like, it was it was definitely like an internet-based, you know, cause a lot of producers were all very, uh, you know, we're not as uh, out there like all the time or, you know, we're always kind of stuck in our room, so we communicate that way. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. essentially how I feel like this entire scene that Moan Theory happened, it um, started on just, you know, internet, like nerding out with a small group of people that you're like, oh crap, this is, these are the same, like just like me, like we're just weirdos in our own room and, and just make fun stuff, different stuff.
0: Right, but weirdos that you know now get to tour the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't on the agenda when it started. I, I can tell you that much. Like, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know if I can speak for everybody, but I know uh, when we were. In the early days making music, it wasn't, uh, you know, it was there was no precedent set for this type of music, and uh, I feel like it was more of just a pure expression. Like it's just like, well, let's take hip hop and things that we were into into another level. Like now, mm-hmm. you know, technology has made it easier for for us to have uh, home studios, and and I think the main like in those days before you know a career in this game. Was even looked at as a possibility. You know, it was just purely for I'm bored and I want to make something interesting for myself, and you know, maybe make a mixtape that'll like reach my friends a little bit.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah,
1: but uh, I mean, granted, like, wow, it's pretty crazy how everything just became international. But it's not hard to believe because the internet's just a powerful thing. <laughs>